Welcome to another episode of More Shenanigans with James and Donna Moore. I'm Donna Moore. And I am James Moore. So today we're going to be talking about the homeless population in America, as well as the reasons behind homelessness, who is homeless, and what can we do to maybe curtail some of the homelessness in America. Yeah, because it's late July, and usually homelessness comes up as an issue during the charitable months at the end of the year. And in the meantime, other times people just get overlooked. Yeah, um, because those of us who aren't homeless and who are privileged to have a air-conditioned home to go to or an air-conditioned, I mean, a heated home to go to or the privilege to have a job um, or the resources to be able to take, you know, take care of ourselves and our families, we don't think about the people that are on the street unless, one, it's that time of year like you talked about, and two, they're in our face somewhere on the street corner or approaching you at the gas station or what have you. So let's start there. The people that are on the street corner holding their signs, you know, asking for money, asking for whatever. Um, what do you do when you see one of those people? Well... I would like to say that I'm generous and, and give money, but that doesn't happen all the time. Something that I've been thinking about as you were talking initially is how, for me, the experience of that homeless person on the corner has changed. When I was just a young man, just starting to drive around, you know, just, you know, like in my 20s, that sort of thing. It seemed like, and this was in Greensboro, North Carolina, or in Raleigh, where I was going to school, that there were street corners that were owned by specific people. Right. This is my street corner. You know, you could go out there. You see them every day, almost like it's a job. Now, as I drive around, somebody will, I'll see somebody with a sign. Some corners seem to uh, have a stability of a person there, but other ones, I'll see somebody for a while and then they disappear. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they come back and right. then they disappear or somebody else will show up. Right. Which I think is um, saying something about the climate of the, the homelessness situation. What I do, and this is going to sound a lot like a cop out, but if I have the, the if the spirit moves me, mm-hmm. I'll reach down and say, okay, what dollar bills do I have? And give them. Um, I'm, we're not using cash as much as we used yeah, to. Yeah, I don't usually have cash. That's my problem. Yeah, we I would we we would have to start, and maybe this will be the the kickoff of something like this. Deciding our budget, the wife and I, we actually do a budget. Unlike a lot of people in this country, we do a budget. We, don't and we can stick by it, but we do it. Yeah, well, we try to, <laughs> but um, we can say, okay, this month we have. 50 bucks. We have a hundred bucks uh, and we have that in cash in our vehicles. As we drive around, we see somebody, we give, we decide we're going to give it out. And that's going to be the charitable donation, you right. know, that we decide to do that. Right. And I think that if we did that, I'd be given more often because a lot of times I reach down in there and say, all I have is the, the credit card. Right. Or I have coins and I'm not going to, you're not going to give I'm somebody not, coins. I'm not going to give somebody coins because I feel that that is, I feel like it's disrespectful to that person. They're a human being and not that coins don't spend like anything else and they would probably be thankful for that, but it just to me feels dismissive and like you're just worth my change. Well, you know, you know, that's what it feels like to me. Now I could be wrong and the homeless person could be like, please give me your change because I need it. But to me, it just doesn't feel right. Well, I don't give change because I don't think I ever have enough change for it to be significant. Right. You know, I'll have like a quarter and a couple of dimes. I'm not going to give somebody, you know, 45 cents. Right. You know, out there in traffic. But if I had if I had five dollars in change, I would yeah. package it sometime, somehow yeah. and give it to somebody. Yeah. 
you know? I mean, I think it, it, that's the case. I think it's just I don't usually have enough change. Since you mentioned budget, I think that's where we could kind of delve into this a little bit further as far as why do we have homelessness. Now, mental illness and substance abuse absolutely is a reason for homelessness. What the statistics are on that, I'm not sure. I'm sure that we could find that online, but you know, I'm sure that that is part of it. There are uh, people with mental illnesses that have a hard time living in your typical American home situation. Um, I know for a fact, a couple homeless people in my area, because I've had conversations with them, that are war veterans, and they do not know how to live. They cannot live live in a home situation because they feel unsafe in four walls. They feel like they can't, they don't know what's outside. They don't know what's coming at them. They don't know. So it's very difficult for them to function mentally. They feel safer, you know, living in their vehicle, living in a tent, living in a situation such as that. And then of course you have people that are just mentally ill with a plethora of different mental illnesses that just can't maintain themselves to be able to have a a job or whatever the case may be. And then, of course, there's the substance abuse that we know is rampant. Um, but there are people who literally, like so many of us, including ourselves, who are living paycheck to paycheck. And when that happens, if there's one little thing that happens, mm-hmm. somebody gets sick. Um, somebody gets laid off. Somebody gets laid off. You know, whatever the case may be. A car breaks down, whatever it could be, any some minor thing that would be minor for. Luckily, we have two incomes, so if something like that happened, we'd probably be okay. Well, it depends but, on which income. But 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 because but if something happened to both of us, God forbid, or if something happened to one of us physically or with an illness, and then a car broke down, we'd be it would be a problem. So we have that group of people that are in the homeless population where they're working homeless. They go to work every. Day they live in their car they have a tent they live you know wherever they live but they're a working homeless yeah they can afford everything in life except for either rental of a decent place to live or purchase of a decent place to live right and but- and then we have the homeless families um, where you have children involved that are homeless these children are going to school every day and they're living in their parents vehicle or they're living in a shelter and I know there are several people who say well I don't know why they don't just go why people don't just go to a shelter. I don't know if you've ever been to a homeless shelter, but homeless shelters are not all they're cracked up to be. They One, you can be there from like 7.30 at night to 7.30 in the morning and that's it. Period. When 7.30 in the morning rolls around and you've eaten your breakfast, bye. You're out back on the street. And while you're there in the homeless shelter, people get essayed, sexually assaulted. They get they get robbed. They you know, All kinds of things can happen to them. It doesn't happen in every shelter. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does does happen. Right. And people don't feel, people with families really don't feel safe going there with their children. Um, now they do have certain cities, not all cities have this, but some cities have, you know, shelters specifically for families, but the beds are limited, the rooms are limited, whatever, whatever the situation is, it's limited. So it's the resources in America for our homeless population are, you know, very bad. As a person who is not a millionaire or a billionaire, I can sit here and think of all kinds of wonderful ideas that we could come up with if we had the people that could support it. And and it has worked in other other communities. Um, there's 
a news story that I read a while ago about um, somebody took an abandoned mall, like the enclosed mall, not the outside kind of malls, but the enclosed malls, and they turned it into a homeless community. And I say that because it wasn't a shelter. So it was a three-level mall, like your average, you know, mall. And what they did was they, the, the food court area, they literally turned it into restaurants and the homeless people managed, cooked the whole thing. They, they ran the food court. They lived on the top floor. They had a, like mini apartments on the top floor. And on the bottom floor, they had storefronts with their crafts and their services and their what have you. And, and it was a homeless community. And you lived there for a certain period of time. And well, the period of time that you lived there, you had to contribute within that community doing whatever it is that you could do. And then you graduated out and you had to move out. And then you could come back and volunteer or you could come back and work there. It didn't just give them a place to live. It gave them skills. It gave them, you know, a purpose. place to live. It gave them a purpose. It gave mm-hmm. them you know, oh, they had a library where they could learn mm-hmm. and take their GED and all that kind of stuff. All right. So, you know, I looked up this statistic in 2019, there was a survey done and this is information is coming from invisiblepeople.tv that 59% of Americans are at risk of becoming homeless. And at risk means if you miss one paycheck, you're out on the street. Yeah. So there must have been some kind of resource or a kickoff that made this happen, you know, that allowed that to happen. Did, did the, you know, did you read about if this was public funds or some private person? Oh, it was a, it was a, a, a private uh, investor. Yeah. So someone who had a whole bunch of money because this takes a whole bunch of money. Yep. And, and he, he invested the money to retrofit or to upgrade the mall. And he, but what they did was they, they, they used the homeless people to fix the stuff, to, to do the construction, to do the, all of that stuff. So it was from the inception. Yeah. The homeless people were involved. Yeah. They're, they're involved in the process. So, you know, my point being is that, I mean, this person was not doing this for profit. No. This person was doing it because they saw a problem and say, this is the best way for us to take care of it. Right. And he got with the, the city resources mm-hmm. and, and said, let's do this together as a city. Or a town or wherever it was. I can't okay. remember where it was. Well, we're talking about one of the solutions on how to get out of this fix. But why is it that so many people are in this fix? You know, why are so many people one paycheck away? How does that happen? Well, I think, and this has been happening before inflation, before the rise of the rent prices, which we'll come back to in a minute. This has been happening for years. And I think one is that in America... Now listen, there is homelessness in other other countries, but America is the of the mo- of the civilized countries in the world. We have the worst homeless population, and I think that we can attribute a lot of that too. When you are working a job and you have to pay X number of money in taxes, Social Security, that kind of thing, and then you have to turn around and pay for medical insurance. And then if you get sick, that medical insurance only covers so much. And from your employer, you have limited time off from work, paid time off from work. It becomes a snowball effect. Right. The reason that other countries such as, you know, the Netherlands, the UK, European countries don't have as high of a homeless population is one, they have universal health care. Yes, you pay more in taxes for universal health care. We get it. I understand that. But guess what? It covers everything. Right. It covers everything, so you don't have a huge and bill to have to pay after you pay your monthly premium every month. And then, in addition, into addition to that, you get weeks of time off at your job rather than you know forty hours or 
eight or or a week worth of you get weeks of time off you get like two three four weeks of time off just given to you by your employer Mm -hmm. so you have time to repay time off so you have time to recuperate from the illness that you got that you just paid for by your universal health care yeah and even talking about the day-to-day illnesses in our country um you have a situation where Someone feels like they have to be at work, even if they have 102 fever. They come in, sit next to you, infect you, and now you're sick too. And you have, you know, a right. bunch of people. And and you have, and then you have a situation where people can't afford to take time off if uh-huh. they have 102 fever because they used up all their PTO when their child was sick, or they decided I have to take a vacation for mental health reasons. I got to get out of here. I got to take a vacation. And now I got sick and I have no PTO left, but yeah, I have sick time, but I got to have, I got to have three days of PTO time before I can start using my sick time. And that's how it is with a lot of companies in America. Okay. So there's, there are health reasons why people end up on the street. They, um, you know, they miss a paycheck or they miss a, you know, they have to pay these, decide to pay these bills or pay their rent or pay their mortgage. And now that the rental prices have gone through the roof, people can't afford, and they're building all these apartments and they're all these luxury apartments that nobody can afford, that one in four people, excuse me, one in four renters in America spend more than 50, 50% of their monthly income on rent. Yeah, That's a lot of a money. Lot, a lot of money. And that brings a question that maybe you can answer for me. Okay. You've been doing this research and everything, and it's something that, you know, it astounds me. If you walk into a bank and you're telling them that you're paying rent, you're paying, I don't know. twelve to $1,500 a 15, month. Let's, let's say. say you're paying, you know, $1,200 in rent every month, you know. You, for, let's, we've been where we're at for what, nine years? Nine years. And. So that's like $60,000 we pay. So why isn't that, why is that not impressive to the person at the bank saying, hey, you know, if this person can pay 1300 bucks every month. For years on end, without a problem, why wouldn't you give that person a loan? Why for a mortgage you, that's less than $1,300 for a, a month. A, yeah, a mortgage that's less than that. And you know you got somebody reliable locked in. Is is there not a market there? That, that seems to be not happening. It's not happening because um, to be able to get a loan, it's all about your credit score. And a lot of these people don't have good credit scores because they've, they've, they've either used their credit cards and rent them up to the hilt, and now they've their credit, you know, their credit score sucks, or they've got a medical bill that's out there. Their credit score sucks. So, so it's all about your credit score. But you've obviously, and even through medical issues and high credit card bills and all this other kind of stuff, I paid my rent on time every single time. And my landlord says he's written me an affidavit letter, you know, uh, saying that I've paid this rent. And he's this person has never been late, not one time in. Six, five, ten, twelve, however many years they've been there. Not once have they been late. And they've paid me all this money. And the bank's like, yeah, that's nice, but sorry. Is that a gun-shy reaction from the whole credit fiasco in the housing market? I mean, this was no, like, was it in the 80s or 90s? Where people were being given all kinds of credit to be able to buy houses. Well, that's what happened with the, 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 the housing market back 
um, in what 2018 or whatever it was. Right, and yeah. it's, no, I, it, I don't think it has anything to do with that I, because this has been happening for years, even before that. I think it has to do with renters are looked at almost as second class citizens, which is ridiculous because in big cities, New York, L.A., Atlanta, Chicago, you know, big cities like that, Dallas, they don't, you know, they rent their apartments for years on end. They don't, they don't buy their apartments. They don't. They're not because condos. It's, it, they're not, it's not, that's not how it works in a lot of big cities. So it makes absolutely no sense to me why if if a landlord is telling you that I have paid you, paid them 13, 14, 15, whatever, $2,000 a month rent for 5 to 10, 12 years, why is that not taken into consideration? Okay. Yeah. So anybody out there, if you got an answer for this, you know, I would appreciate it because you know, I the little bit of digging that I did or, you know, we did for in preparation for the show, I couldn't find a reason why a, a bank wouldn't back that up. Well, you know, why are people getting turned down that way? So, all right, we've talked about what the, the how they, how people are getting into this issue, getting into this situation and one solution about how they get out. So... I think here's the thing is that now let, let's go back to the thing about where we talked about what do you do when you see the homeless people. Okay. Um, there is a family in our area in Norfolk called the Buffalo family. Uh-huh. And they have really stepped up in their community of South Norfolk, Chesapeake. Mm. Um, and not only do they help the homeless, but they help the um, needy people in their, in their community as well. Um, they provide meals every single week of every single year and they just recently opened a community center in their name that they took care of and these are people who they're not millionaires no they're they're just regular people who said we have to do something yeah what's the lady's name I remember. Uh, um, it's Buffalo. B-U-F-F-A-L-O-W. I cannot remember her first name. I can't remember her name either, but I did get to have, I did have the privilege of meeting her in person at one time. I was with a, a film group that was thinking about doing a documentary. And this woman, she's, she's not living in a mansion. She does live in a sizable house. But the reason why her house is sizable is because there's so much stuff in it that she uses to work her magic of helping people in the community yeah, and, and making all this happen. There's a big push, of course, during the holidays. They have a big thing in November, I think, where they cook like 50, 60 turkeys. Oh, and, yeah, it's crazy. And, give, and they and do this all in their home. They do this all in their home in their backyard. Yeah. <laughs> they, they figure it out. But during the rest of the year, rest of the year, they don't take a weekend at Jamaica. They, you know, keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, they do this all year long. And I think the biggest thing about her is that she, I say she because there's this one woman that kind of is the spearhead of it all. What she has learned how to do is get into the pockets of the people that have the money and to be able to get the the uh, donations and resources that she needs. And and she's made it her full-time job. I mean, this is, she has a nonprofit. And so this is what she does. I mean, but I think there's a way for those of us who, you know, and, and it's, I don't think it's so much maybe going to the local homeless shelter and, you know, doing, feeding a, a you know, a group of people there, you know, once a month or whatever, not saying that that's a bad thing because they need the volunteers and they would love you to be there. But one thing that I think I should do is I think I should, instead of just handing a $5 bill to a person outside the window of my car as I'm driving by, maybe what I should do is when I see that person, I circle around and take 
take 15 or 20 minutes out of my day and say, hey, um, let's sit down and talk and here, you know, here, here's your money, but let's sit down and talk. Tell me about your situation. What's going on? You know, why are you homeless? What's the situation? You know, is there something I can do to help you other than giving you $10 cash right here? You know, what what's your situation? And maybe we can help them find a job or maybe we can help them find resources or whatever. It is just one person helping one person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you know, we're not fixing the problem, but we're fix maybe we could fix that one person's problem or maybe we don't fix their problem at that moment in time and maybe we don't see the fruits of our labor but we sat down and saw that person and looked them in the eye and gave them the dignity of the conversation and that inspired them to do better for themselves right. i don't know i don't you okay. know all right, I want to step back for a second too when we're talking about the Buffalo family. Yes, Nichelle. Nichelle, yes, it's Nichelle Buffalo, and that name is N I S C H E L L E, and Buffalo is spelled B U F F A L O W. And the group is called the Buffalo Family and Friends Multipurpose Center. Yes. And that's a great title because that, that they, was just opened up. They just cut the did the ribbon cutting like this week, I think. They do all kinds of stuff, but but they do they and they need they they help the elderly people in their in their community where they they're located in South Norfolk, Chesapeake and they help the elderly people they gather um because you know a lot of the elderly people in their neighborhood it's a very low income community and they the elderly or the people in that community they live on social security or disability or that kind of thing and so their check comes at the beginning of the month by the end of the month, they're, they're close to being out of money, so they're, and they're running out of stuff that they need. So they gather together personal hygiene items and groceries and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they provide resources for paying bills. And, I mean, they help with everything that you can imagine for their community as well as the homeless in their community. Right. So if you want to strike a blow and do something about that, you know whether you're in this community or not. Um, if you want to put your money in a place where you know it's not just going to go towards you know overhead, quote unquote. The site to go to is called buffalofamily.org. It's B-U-F-F-A-L-O-W-F-A-M-I-L-Y.org, and check out that site. See if it's for you because they're doing some fantastic stuff. And I know that there's there's a lot of places where you know money can be put. You make your own decisions on that. But every once in a while, it's good to, you know, see what people are doing, maybe outside of your, your normal charitable stream and, you know, give there too. Because, you know, listen, the big charities, listen, we, we all probably understand that a lot of these big charities, Goodwill, Red Cross, uh, Salvation Army, all of that, you know, they have some person sitting in some office in a big glass building somewhere making six to seven figures a year and they're you know what are they really doing for the people that they're supposed to be helping you know i don't know but i do know that these kind of charitable organizations these grassroots organizations they are really doing the work yeah you know. and i think i'm not saying you know like like james said you put your money where you want to put your money. But if you're going to put your money, in my opinion, that's the kind of place there. So within your community, wherever you may be, you know, look within your community for a grassroots organization that's really helping the homeless, the the single mothers, the the elderly, who whatever, whoever. And those other groups you're talking about, you can label them as close to homeless. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because they're right there. They're in situations yeah. where they could be homeless 
next month. Well, here's one thing that I want to address too. Um, well, there's one thing I want to address, but I want to go back to the paying your rent versus mortgage situation. Uh-huh. Um, one of the problems why paying your rent doesn't qualify you for a mortgage is because it doesn't go on your credit report. But let me tell you something. If you pay rent to a company, like a a management company, a management company that property manages management. A, a property management company that manages a big apartment complex or whatever, I'm telling you, if you go, if you end up being homeless because you can't pay your rent, guess what's going to go on your credit report? Yeah. The fact that you didn't pay your rent. But the fact that you've been paying your rent for 10 years prior to that, that doesn't go on your credit report. Well, you know, I wonder if there's a way to fix that because, you know, you see, you see the, the wrestling guy riding a blue cow, you know, with the experience saying that, you know, you right. can boost your credit report. The way that is done is that your cable bill, your, your your regular phone bill stuff like that you get to you go ahead and include that on your credit the fact that you've been paying that and it's added in so I wonder if there's a way to add in that sort of thing too oh check it out okay the huh. Federal Housing Finance Agency announced that timely rent payments will now factor into Fannie Mae's underwriting calculations Aha. for mortgages mm. that's amazing yeah when did that happen I, that. This is an article from last year, August 21st, 2021. All right. So we backpedal. Okay. So. No, but that's, but, but is that happened? That's just with Fannie Mae, though. So if you don't yeah. go through Fannie Mae, that's you're, true. That's you're true. trying to get a, that's amazing. That's really awesome. Okay. Because, so I this mean, is a commercial for Fannie Mae. So if but, you look, if you're looking into buying a home and you've been faithfully paying your rent for a period of time, you know, see what Fanny has to say because and, apparently and also, that And counts. if you know somebody, if you're already in a home and you own a home, but if you know somebody like a child or or friends or family that you know are wanting seriously thinking about buying, have see if they can go through Fannie Mae because obviously they're that's going to be help. That's fantastic stuff. Um, the, but here's the other thing: there are people like you and me who don't want to own a home. I don't. Because here's the thing for us. Okay, my husband is a whiz with computers. He can fix pretty much any kind of a computer issue or a tech issue. He is an amazing writer. He's an amazing father. He's an amazing husband. Uh, He's an amazing brother and son. But he is the least handy person on the face of the earth. Yeah, that's what money is for. And so if we own a home, all of the maintenance issues would have to be hired out. And that's expensive. Yeah, we would have to hire somebody full time. And, and so I just don't, we have decided that, that we've owned a home before and, and it was fine. I mean, it was okay. I mean, it was great, but it was expensive because we had to hire everything out. Yes. So for us, it's not something that we choose to do. And that's okay. If you don't want to own a home and you want to rent, that's fine. I mean, that's, yeah, we're not saying that you should own a home. There are other ways to ownership in this country. Right. There should, you should be focused on some kind of ownership if it's not a home. And I'm not talking about a car, something right. that depreciates. There's all kinds of ownership opportunities but a home was just not for us it's just not for us so don't feel bad that you're not part of the american dream because you don't own a home because i think the american dream is you know a nightmare anyway right we have a podcast on now yeah so um but one of the things that i wanted to address is the graying of the homeless population and when i say graying i mean like graying of your hair Mm -hmm. the largest population of America right now is baby boomers. They end in 1964. So I'm a baby boomer. I'm, I'm the last of the baby boomers. My husband is a Gen, Gen Xer X. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was born in 65. 
So right now, the majority of the baby boomers are in their 70s. And a lot of them who had worked for companies for 30, 40 years aren't getting their retirement benefits, their pensions from those companies because the companies have restructured. Uh Uh-huh. And one of the things they took away was their pensions, or they decreased the pensions significantly. Yeah. And we all know that the average Social Security check is well, around $1,600, a little over $1,600 a month. And you are not going to live on that. And even if you own a home already, let's say you've owned a home for 25, 30 years, and you, you know, let's say your mortgage is paid off. Let's say you're blessed and your mortgage is paid off. You still have property taxes that are expensive and they're going up. Mm-hmm. You still have all of the other expenses that we just talked about as far as home maintenance and because and, of the and health, regular bills and because of the health situation in this country you got yeah you're you're paying for some kind of medication right and and some kind of possible ill hospitalization or chronic disease or whatever the case may be so that money is really tight and people are either not able to stay in their homes and pay the property taxes then the then it gets taken by the state because you didn't pay your property taxes. It gets a lien put on it. And, mm-hmm. Or you have people that are the working homeless that are in their late 50s, early 60s, mm-hmm. and they you know, are barely making it. Or because of some health issue, they've lost their job and they're homeless. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to get worse as the, as the years go on. I mean, I'm, I was born in 64, so I'll be 58 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm no, nowhere near ready to retire because we were not financially um, responsible early on in our years. Yeah, we got and this. And so now we're playing catch up. Yeah, we got this crazy plan of, you know, this doing a podcast and hoping that it blows up and we get filthy rich <laughs> from sponsorship. We'll see how that works out. However. But, however, in the meantime. Right. Um, now, listen, know. we have grown children that. You know, we would probably not end up being homeless, but who knows? I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, it could, it could be us, but for the grace of God, go on. Yeah. I love, I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I do not want to live with them long term. Well, no, but I'm just saying that. And and I don't want to do that to them because (laughs) I I am set on being a grumpy old bastard. That's my plan. Kind of doing that a little bit now. He's practicing. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So, but I digress. Yeah, but um, but but so what I'm saying is that, that, that there's a a looming problem in our country right now with the baby boomers. Yeah, you think there's a bunch of homeless people now? It's just going to increase. Yeah. So, um, it's wrap up time. We've uh, you know touched on the issue and everything. What can people be? You know, they 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 know that there's a problem out there. They know it might apply to them. You know, what do we need to do? For those of us who are of a certain age, we need to try to be as financially responsible as possible and do what we can to, you know, put some money away, that type of thing. Um, neither one of us are going to have a pension from our jobs because we, you know, we don't have that kind of a job and we didn't stay at a job. And that's another thing is that people don't stay at jobs like they used you to. You don't work one job for 30 years anymore. You don't do that anymore. Um, and the other part of it is um, if, if you're blessed and are stable financially, relatively stable financially and you have a place to live and that type of thing find a homeless person be intentional don't be don't be don't try to be a savior i'm not saying that don't be a savior but just be intentional and thoughtful about the next time you give somebody some money don't just hand it out the car window you know have a convers try to have a conversation do this safely and in broad daylight yes absolutely absolutely and i understand that you know we don't know the situation and if and if they're not willing to have a conversation then you hand them the money and you keep it moving uh-huh. 
But but if they're willing to have that conversation, just talk to them and and see and and you know don't go in with the intent of I'm going to save this person and they're not going to be homeless any longer. Just give them the dignity of a conversation and right. look them in the eye. Okay. The only thing that I would add to that is this. I had somebody actually tell me when I was a young man, hey, look, you need to do this for yourself once a month. I don't care how broke you are. I don't care if you're eating beans every day for weeks on end. Take whatever little bit of money you took, 10% of that, and put it away. If you made a dollar, take a dime and put it away. Don't touch it until you get old. If I had taken that person seriously now, I would not have some of the worries that I have right now. And I've been, both both you and I have been saying it to our kids. We're trying to drill it into our grandkids. And I don't know if it's sinking in or not. I don't know if they're actually doing it. If they're probably, if they're like me, they're probably saying, oh, there's always time later. No, there's not. There's not time later. This is stuff that you need to do right now. So if you're in our spot and want them to learn to be a cautionary tale of the the fact that you're struggling now and you're 50, don't looking at 60, looking at 70, keep telling the, the, the generations behind you, look, don't end up like this. Start putting money away. Now is the time to do it, and it's money that you do not touch until the future. So, with that being said, that's all for this episode. Tune in next time for more shenanigans. If you enjoy our content, please consider supporting us. Click the support link on our main page to become a patron. Thank you.